Did you know that scientists think that cherries can be good for your heart? It's something to do with the compounds that turn the fruit that attractive deep red shade. Cherry, I believe it's called. Well, speaking of hearts, American cherry wood also has a great heart. Its rosy-hued heartwood is priced for everything from high-end joinery to furniture, cabinets to musical instruments. Okay, so different meaning of heart, but you know what I mean. Unlike many species of cherry trees, you're not going to be eating anything from American cherry, Latin name Prunus serotina, unless that is you are the eastern tent caterpillar which has been known to devour entire groves during their spring bonanzas. If you are a caterpillar, congratulations for managing to download a podcast. In fact, American cherry is hardly related to the cherry trees that are cultivated by humans for fruit. It's more of a shrub or a smallish deciduous tree that's endemic to North and South America. American cherry grows relatively fast, with oval green leaves that turn flaming hues of red and orange in the autumn. It's also pretty hardy, happily growing along roadsides as well as forests, and it can live for well over a hundred years. Sprays of small white flowers become tinny red-black berries for birds and bears who then spread their seeds far and wide. American cherry does, however, have a cunning defence mechanism against any passing herbivores, storing tiny amounts of cyanide in its bark. If you broke off a twig and held it to your nose, you might detect a faint whiff of almond. Its foliage also contains plant toxins that convert to cyanide when eaten, so farmers are generally keen to remove the trees from the land they graze animals on. More for the caterpillars, I suppose. But for high-end cabinet makers, American cherry is a dream. Its heartwood has a fine texture and a tight grain which is described as a cathedral grain, in reference to the pattern of nested arches produced when it's sawn open, which is reminiscent of Gothic church architecture. The wood itself is an attractive pinky-brown colour that darkens after exposure to light, oxidising over the course of around a year to produce a deeper, ruddy hue. This natural patination is welcomed by furniture makers, as it means each piece becomes one of a kind. For musical instrument makers, American cherry also has a reputation for being an excellent tone wood, and it's used by guitar makers. While violin makers tend to stick to the traditional combination of maple and spruce, some rebels use cherry, especially for decorative elements. Regular listeners may remember that we've already made an episode looking at American cherry and furniture design with Mac Collins. But for architects, the wood's warm palette and suitability for refined joinery elements also make it an increasingly popular choice, particularly for clients looking for cosy natural materials. To get the inside track on American cherry and interior architecture, I reached out to Ian Ritchie, a British architect with an illustrious career featuring a plethora of award-winning buildings. My my name is Ian Ritchie. I'm the director of Ritchie Studio, which formerly was known as Ian Ritchie Architects, but now has many shareholders, so it's much more fun to make decisions. And I've spent a career, 40-odd years, dancing between planning, architecture, engineering, industrial design, landscape, and having fun. 
Ian's relationship to Wood dates back to his youth, which you'll hear more about in a second, but by all accounts it was not actually the material that prompted him to pursue a career in architecture. After graduation, he spent five years working for Norman Foster in the 1970s, right at the peak of the high-tech architecture movement. Metal was king, while wood was something that belonged to the past, and wasn't actually even considered particularly suitable for architectural application. I'll put it simply, wood to me was always when I was a boy scout, it's something you walked through, or you might (laughs) set fire to. Uh, The thing about wood, from my knowledge, is it never dies, even when it's cut down, it moves, it just keeps on misbehaving. So all my early work was based around more around metals and predictable behaviour, which is also part of the engineering background. So one's always trying to predict performance or behaviour, um, even if it's of smoke or the way water moves in a river. Immortal and mischievous, wood clearly causes all kinds of headaches compared to docile and dormant metals. But the reason that I reached out to Ritchie for this episode was his work with Wood while renovating the Susie Sainsbury Theatre at the Royal Academy of Music next to Regent's Park in London. It was an audacious project, replacing a 1970s theatre inside a grade-listed building, but along with its companion piece within the same space, the Angela Burgess Recital Hall, it won both the Reba London Award and the Reba London Building of the Year in 2018. Pretty good, right? Well, the 300-seat auditorium at the heart of this very British institution is lined with, you guessed it, American cherry. But Wood was a brave new world for the architecture studio. In fact, Ian had his doubts to begin with. I questioned our ability as an office to design anything in wood. We'd never done it before. Yes, we'd messed about with plywood and other things, but that's not wood. If you like man-made stuff. So this is now real challenge. Early on in the design journey, Ian realised that the Susie Sainsbury Theatre would have to be wood. A place for music, for art, felt as if it needed the kind of warmth and movement that only an organic living material could create. So that balance between the linear examination of materials and the non-linear behaviour the non-linear behaviour of, let's say, sparkling water on a sea in the sunlight, or the way leaves are changing colour and falling off a tree, are the wonderful characteristics of nature's beauty. And that's something I tried to get in the work. The final work we end up building has a non-linear quality, because then everybody can recognise its beauty. When it comes to wood, when we started work on the Royal Academy of Music, I knew that... Whatever, whatever reason, wood was going to be the answer. Ian had always found wood to be temperamental to work with architecturally, but wood could give the emotion and the performance required of a space dedicated to opera and musical theatre. If they were going to embrace this new medium, they were going to do it properly. And because this was an office full of architects, they were going to go all in on the research phase particularly team member Jose Garita, who is also a violinist and became interested in wood's use in the construction of instruments. So Jose went off and did the research into the instruments and the types of wood, particularly the Cremona area of Italy and the way that the great Stradivarius and the others made their instruments. And when they chopped down the trees, the spruce trees, 
Is it where the moon is full or not? no moon? Is the sap rising? Is it falling? And so he did all that research and I just went out to find the best joinery firm in Britain because we assumed we knew nothing about wood. And that was the best move we made. We did find an extraordinarily good firm and they were only 15 kilometers from where we are here. And they came in and gave us talks about wood right the way through to, the, you know, Jose looking at varnishing characteristics of violins and violas and cellos. We're talking about varnish. When do you varnish wood when you're doing a project? It was an educational workshop and one that sowed the seeds for American cherry becoming the timber of choice for the Susie Sainsbury Theatre. And in this period we were discussing which woods, in talking to James Johnson, this company, um, the joinery company, they mentioned that there's a surplus of cherry trees in northeast America. There's some like I don't know, 11 million tonnes a year and they only harvest about half of it. And so there's kind of, what are you doing? You're just accumulating cherry woods or woodlands of cherries. With this surplus of American cherry and its connections to musical instruments, the wood was a good fit for the concept Ian's team wanted to realise, not least in terms of acoustics. Ian has a long-standing love of acoustics and their history within architecture, but he was also able to work with acoustic engineers at Arup to push this much further. So they prefabricated elements of the Cherrywood Theatre and tested them out, including trialling some interesting techniques, such as creating micro-perforations within the wood to help the sound quality. Ian may have worried that wood is unruly as a material, but he soon discovered that it actually delivered the kind of consistent sound quality he was after. We felt that it actually was just ideal. It seemed to have the capacity to diffuse sound if we designed the profiles properly. You could refine the finesse, if you like, of the grooving in the wood or in the way it's assembled in the prefabrication. Everything seemed to, the wood seemed to have everything you wanted from wood. But not everything is about the smooth audio functioning of the space. Ian was also very drawn to other aesthetic dimensions of the wood, particularly its rosy hue. So where I came from was colour, the sense of warmth. Now that wasn't necessarily looking at musical instruments, which have particular woods, none of which are cherry, um, or even contemplate using cherry. But one needed to have the warmth, and I wanted it to be a natural warmth. I didn't want to be staining wood. And red, because of the fireplace, the candle, is what we see as warmth. It's in our emotion. But this wasn't all about warmth and cosiness. Ian had a more expansive vision for this haunt for actors and musicians. One that could really tap into the drama of the dramatic arts and which could explore the visual disconnect between the Red Cherry Theatre and the Angela Burgess Recital Hall that sits above it which is lined in pale lime-washed oak. And I thought well it should be the heaven versus the hell because these students go into a theatre nervous wrecks basically for auditions and for performances And so in a way, this kind of red room gives them the warmth, but it's also a metaphor for me, it's like living hell. (laughs) And I thought, well, above it, we could actually create heaven, which would be, of course, white and cloudy and floaty. Um, And we went for oak up there, put lime washed to give it the whiteness. And of course, big contrast between 
a theatre which is no daylight, very rarely, and a potential recital hall above it with an oculus and, if you like, zenithal light flowing in. And interestingly, in that room, the grain of the wood follows exactly the line of the light falling in. To bring out the fiery depths of American cherry, Ian lent into the red theme and had the theatre seats upholstered in a brilliant red, which is, I would suggest, traditional in the theatre. But while red fit with all of the themes and complemented the cherry, this exact shade of red was particularly close to the hearts of both Ian and Jonathan Freeman Atwood, the principal of the Royal Academy of Music. Well, I'll add one other thing. This is the Royal Academy of Music. And there's something about red which is royal, and it's in their, it's in their colour scheme there, yeah, whatever it is. Um, but I think the, obviously having lived through the building of it, separating yourself out and going in for the first time completed, I wanted to hear the sound. But I did go in before with the principal and the major funder, Susie Sainsbury, and I watched Jonathan sitting in a seat, and the red of the seat is actually the Liverpool Football Club double-winning team of 1986, the colour of their shirts. And the only reason that happened was because Jonathan Freeman Atwood, the principal, was more nerdy and more passionate about Liverpool Football Club than I was, and I thought I was slightly off the edge. And that's why that red balanced with the wood brilliantly. It was just fabulous. And I, he was just oozing happiness sitting in the auditorium for the first time. But the measure, the real, real measure, was going to the opening performance. And you had royalty there and all the rest of it, and you know, guests from all over. And it was just, I was nervous, I have to say. It was an opera, and I thought, is the, is the sound going to be as good as we hope it is? And within 24 hours, it was around the world, there's another great space for music. Music and Liverpool Football Club, a heartfelt endorsement for American Cherry. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I've been your host, Ollie Stratford, and this episode was produced and edited by Evie Hall. Words on Wood is made in collaboration with and supported by the American Hardwood Export Council. 